All right, turn to Mark chapter 13. And we're at verse 24. And we come to the climax of Jesus' teaching here about the end. And He tells us how everything will end up in this present age. It'll end up with Him returning back to the earth to rule over it. And so this is the climax of His teaching about the temple, but it's also the climax of the teaching of all of God's work. This is how the end is going to happen. This is what, how the future is going to wind up, is that in a return of Jesus to the earth. And this is a very important area of the Bible's teaching. And it's tragic today that many reject this, both in the world and in the church, in the sense that the world rejects it, that they don't believe it. They deny it. They don't believe Jesus is going to come back. They mock it. But inside the church, it's opposed in the sense that they say, oh, let's don't talk about that. Let's don't talk about that, that issue. And that many don't study the book of Revelation and they don't preach on this. Many Christians don't hear a lot about it. And that's not good. This is the final climax of God's work that Jesus is going to come back to the earth to rule over it. And this is how, what He stresses to the disciples here. Now, think about how this is in the context of the temple. And this is going to be the final end of the temple. He's going to return and go into the temple. And that's where His throne is going to be, the Bible tells us. That's why He talks about this in this time and talking about the temple. And that He is, in just a few days, preparing to go to the cross. And He looks at the future, and He's thinking about the future, and that strengthens Him to go through the cross. So let's read the verses here, starting verse 24. But in those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars of heaven will fall and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then He will send His angels and gather together His elect from the four winds, from the farthest part of earth to the farthest part of heaven. And so Jesus says everything will end with Him returning to the earth in great power and glory. Hebrews chapter 12 says that Jesus endured the cross by looking at the glory that awaited Him afterward, where He would sit at the right hand of God, where He would sit as King over the universe. It says that He, that he endured by thinking on those things. And that's what He's doing right now. He is going to go to the cross in just a few days at the end of this week, whatever day this occurred on. But within a week, He would go to the cross and here this strengthens Him by talking about how everything's going to end up and that He is going to return after at the end in great power and glory. And in fact, He quoted this statement 
to the high priests, to the religious leaders who were condemning him to death. Remember when he, they said, tell us whether you are the Christ or not. And he said, it is as you say, and afterward you will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds with power and great glory. He was focused on his future reign that strengthened him to go through the suffering of the cross for us. He came first to die for us as the Lamb of God. And some look at that and say, oh, he's weak. He, he, he was killed, but he did that for us. He willingly allowed himself to be killed, to be the sacrifice for our sins as the Lamb of God. You know, lamb doesn't fight. But when he comes back the second time, he's not coming as a lamb. He's going to come as the lion, the book of Revelation says, the lion of the tribe of Judah as the king coming back to deal with all of the wicked on the earth and to remove them in great power and great glory. And this is what he focused on when he went to the cross. And this is what we should focus on. As we live our lives here on the earth, and as we look to the future, we need to focus on this great truth that Jesus is going to return one day with great power and glory. I see three aspects that I want us to focus on here in verse 26 and 27 about His coming. He says, first, He's going to come back with great power, number one. Two, with great glory. And then three, verse 27, He's going to gather then His elect. From the four winds. So let's talk about those three aspects of his return. First, he's going to come back with great power. He refers to that power in verse 24 and 25 when he says, The sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars of heaven will fall, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. The prophecies say that God is going to shake the earth at the end. And literally, that's going to be true. When you read Revelation, he alludes to it here, there's going to be great earthquakes that will happen. They will happen at the different times of the seven years, particularly when you get to the end of a series of seven judgments, there's a great earthquake that happens at the end of it. And that's God shaking the earth, and literally Jesus is doing that, showing His power in His second coming. We just had this earthquake in Turkey. You know, 40,000 people died. And if you look at the news reports of that or look at scenes of that, you'll see people that are terrified. They are shaken to the core. You know, it is because of the devastating power of earthquakes. It kills so many people. Well, that's God's power to be able to shake the earth. And He's going to do that during this time of tribulation. At the end of it, He's going to shake the earth mightily. In fact, at the end of the tribulation, when it... it and everything is over, it says He sends a great earthquake greater than it ever has been and that shakes the whole earth. That's the power of Jesus. That's Jesus showing His power. That's a part of His coming in great power. He's shaking the earth. The sun's going to be darkened. The moon's not going to give us light. Showing the power of Jesus and His coming because He's the one that controls these things. He's going to come in great power and the earth is going to tremble at His presence. Today, the earth mocks at Jesus, makes fun at Jesus, and refuses to believe on Jesus. But when He comes back in great power, they're going to tremble at the presence of Jesus because He's going to show His great power. He's going to come in great power. Part of that's going to be shown in the, uh, in the 
environment with the sun and the moon and the, uh, the earth with uh, earthquakes and there's going to be great uh, hailstorms and lightning storms. There's going to be a lot of fire on the earth from the lightning. Also from the earthquakes. If you know anything about earthquakes, it breaks apart the gas lines that run underground with the buildings. And when those gas lines are ruptured, it causes fires. And that's where fires come from, earthquakes. It's from all the ruptured gas lines and the electric lines. And so there's going to be a lot of fires going on all over the place. All of this is going to be a manifestation of Jesus' power on the earth that's a part of His second coming. But then it's going to be in great judgments where He sends plagues on the earth. And He releases creatures on the earth like they've never been seen, demonic creatures that hurt people and sting people and kill people. There's going to be great armies that attack nations and they kill people. It's going to be a terrible time. But all of that is a demonstration of Jesus' power on the earth. There's a purpose of that power. It's against the wickedness on the earth. Jesus' power will be, in, in, in the second coming, when He releases this, the uh, judgments over the seven years of tribulation, it is going to be judgments against the wickedness on the earth to punish it. That's why He does those judgments. It's against the wickedness of the earth to give them, and even in that there's mercy, He's given them a warning to turn from their sin, but the world does not turn, it just doubles down on it, and Jesus has to keep sending the judgments till it culminates where the earth is destroyed, burned up. And Jesus will demonstrate His power against the wickedness of the earth. He's doing that to clean up the earth. Wickedness has... He has allowed wickedness to continue on the earth. He judges it at times to restrain it, but He's not removed it. He does allow man to play out his rebellion. God has chosen to do that. He could have stopped it from the beginning, but God has allowed time to continue and man to play out his rebellion while giving then people an opportunity to be saved, to repent and be saved through Jesus. So while that continues, wickedness continues on the earth and all the hurt and destruction. People look at that and say, if God is so good, why does he stop all of this pain and hurt? and the wickedness. And the point is, is because He's allowing life to continue. If He put it to an end, that means He would bring life to an end. He would destroy the earth. He's given opportunity for people to be saved. And He is restraining the evil in ways, but there's not a final judgment. That's what happens at the end. And it's all a demonstration of His great power against the wickedness on the earth. And at that time, the earth will be destroyed, literally, burned up with fire. And it's a demonstration of His power against the wickedness on the earth. So don't, don't mistake Jesus' patience for weakness. Don't think, well, why is Jesus allowing all this homosexuality stuff to happen? Why, is he, why did He allow homosexual marriage to happen in America? Why did He do something to stop it? Well, He's going to do something eventually in the end. He's going to bring all that wickedness to an end. Don't mistake his patience for his weak, to say he's weak. He is not weak. He is waiting till the time he has chosen at the end, and then he is going to manifest and unleash all of his power on the earth, and it is going to be an 
awesome display of that power. So the first thing Jesus says is, I'm going to come back in great power. And that's what the tribulation is. Where it says, it's, Revelation says that men, when there's hailstorms falling, uh, hailstorms, it says is weight of a talent. And that was like, I didn't look it up, but it's like huge, huge, like rocks falling out of the sky, killing people. And it says they will hide in rocks and caves, trembling, saying, hide us from the wrath of the Lamb who is come. It's a demonstration of God's power and Jesus' power, and the world knows it. So, first thing is He comes back with great power. The second thing is He comes back with great glory. Glory refers to the supremacy of God over everything, the supremacy of Jesus, and it's manifested in a display of great light and a great exaltation. And it gets at, I think what it gets at is His rule as King over everything is a manifestation of His glory. Coming back in great glory will be that Jesus is coming back to rule over the earth. He's coming back to be the king over the earth that He rightfully deserves to be. And He will ascend to His throne and He will be exalted over the whole earth. And that's His glory. His position of exalted rule over the earth. And that's what will happen in His second coming. He will come back he will have released seven years of judgments on the earth to deal with the wickedness of it. Then he will allow Satan to rise up a worldwide rebellion under his man, the Antichrist. He will allow that to rise up in order to destroy him. One of the scriptures, I believe it was in uh, the, the psalm that was read just a while ago, it, it stated that. It said God allows the wicked to rise up that he may be destroyed. There in Psalm 92, I think where it was. That's exactly what Jesus will do in the end with this great glory. He will allow Satan to rise up with the Antichrist and to rule the world for three and a half years and to dominate the world for three and a half years. And then Jesus will come at the end of that time with great glory to uh, destroy that rule and to become and to uh, be the ruler the rightful ruler over the earth from his throne at Jerusalem his coming will be in great glory as the exalted ruler over the earth and uh, the prophets say that he will be worshiped and served uh, followed by all of the all the nations will come and bow at his feet paul said it is that that every tongue will confess and every knee will bow. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. In the end, that's what will happen. And that will be His glory. He will be exalted as He rightfully deserves as the true King over everything. And so that's, I believe, what He's referring to when He says the Son of Man will come with great power and glory. Great glory. It also involves a display of light and That'll be the contrast. It'll be a very dramatic thing. As verse 24 says, the sun will be darkened. The moon will not give us light. And so at the end, the earth will go dark. There'll be a time of darkness on the earth. And that's when Jesus will come back. And He'll come back in bright light. And so there'll be a great contrast. I think that's how every eye will see Him, the Bible says. Is He'll come back as a bright, like a star, shining in a dark night. 
and he'll come back. And I believe it says every eye will see him. I think that means he's going to circle the earth and then come back to Jerusalem and land at Jerusalem and go into the temple and ascend and he'll defeat the Antichrist and the beast and all the armies of the world and then go and sit on his throne. And it'll be a great display of light in the darkness of the world. And so he'll come in great glory, secondly. Then the third thing that he will do when he returns is he will gather together all of his elect to himself. The elect is the saved. It means those who are chosen, chosen to be saved. And it says that he will gather them from the four winds from the farthest part of earth to the farthest part of heaven. So he's going to gather the elect, their elect in their heaven, and then there's elect on the earth, there's the saved on the earth, the saved in heaven, and he's going to bring them all together in his kingdom at his return. So who are the elect in heaven? I think that refers to all of the dead saints in the past, of course. That's obvious. It refers to those, all the dead saved. And they will come with him. As Paul said, the dead in Christ will rise first and uh, come with Him. But I think it also refers to those the New Testament church that's been raptured. I think it'll occur at the middle of the tribulation. It will have occurred before this because the book of Revelation 19 presents the New Testament church already in heaven in the, uh, their white robes that has been prepared for the marriage to the Lamb. And then after that, after that bride is pictured in heaven already, which takes time, then Jesus comes back following that. So the bride's already in heaven. So that means there has to be a rapture prior to the return of Christ. The debate over is when that occurs. And uh, we've talked about it where I see it pointing to the middle of the tribulation. But the fact is that we will be in heaven. The New Testament saints will be in heaven. And that's a part of the elect who Jesus brings with him and gathers here at His return, the ones that are in heaven. Then it says there will be elect on the earth. And this has to refer to those that at the end that there will be saved people on the earth. And I believe this refers to Jewish people who survive the Great Tribulation. Jesus indicated that if He didn't shorten those days, nobody would survive. It'll be a tremendous time of persecution where many Jews will be killed. Satan, as we looked at before in chapter 11 and 12, Satan will be enraged at Israel, especially when they become believers, and he will launch an all-out war against them. He'll try to kill as many of them. His goal is to kill every one of them. And Jesus indicates he, that he succeeds almost to that. He'll kill most of them, but there will some that will, be, that will survive. They will be alive at the end of the tribulation. And when Jesus comes back, they are the saved on the earth and they will go into His kingdom in their natural bodies. That'll be the ones who could die then in the, in the millennium. And that's, I think, an answer for that issue. But these are the saved on the earth. As Jesus says here, there'll be those that are saved on the earth and He will gather them in His kingdom to be with Him. And let me say this. The point is, he gives the teaching in other parables. He says, 
that in the tribulation, the point of it is, is to remove the wicked from the earth. And many of them do die during the tribulation from all the judgments. But the ones that are alive at the end, who then gather and unite to fight against him, then they are killed in that battle. And then any that might be remaining, he removes them from the earth at his judgment of the nations, and he sends them to hell. When Jesus comes back, he will remove all wickedness, all unbelievers from the earth. Every one of them. To where the only ones left are the saints. He teaches that in his parable of the tares and the wheat and uh, another parable about the fish and the dragnet. And he says that at the end of the age, the angels will come and remove the wicked out of my kingdom. That's a reference to the tribulation. And then the last battle, the battle of Armageddon, and the last judgment. And then he said, then the righteous will shine as the stars in my kingdom. And that's what he's talking about here. That he will have dealt with the wicked through his great power in the tribulation. And then he'll gather all the elect, all the saved, and it'll only be the saved that are left. And then we will be given the earth to reign on the earth with Jesus for the thousand years. And we will serve him. And that's how everything's going to end up. And so here's the important point. If you're not a part of that saved, you don't have a future. You will not be a part of this. You'll be part of the wicked that's removed and lose your life forever in hell. It'll only be the elect, those that are saved, those that have repented and believed. Now you say, well, it says the elect. Yeah, and the Bible teaches that means God chose them before the time began of who He knows, he knows who will be saved. But that's really irrelevant for you today. That's God's business. That's God's in God's mind, and He can handle that. But He has made that choice. But on our end, it is we're responsible to respond to our reality is that we are lost. We, are, we rebelled against God, and we need to be saved. And you need to repent and believe on Jesus, or you are not going to be in this number. And so our part is to repent and believe and respond to the reality. And that's what we need to do. If we do, we're going to be in this number. We're going to be in this elect. We're going to be in the people that live on the earth, continue to serve Jesus. But if we don't, we're going to be lost forever. And so the point is, we need to respond and to deal with our sins and receive the salvation that Jesus provides. And that He is the only way to have a future In life on the earth, only the elect will be left here. Only the elect will be left to reign with Jesus. And that is the most important reality about life and about the future. I want to stress something here at the end is the whole point of all this is that Jesus is showing us what the true reality is and what we should truly focus on. As he approached the cross, he was focusing on the future kingdom and his return, the end of all of it, the great plan of God of the future. He didn't focus. He knew he was going to go to the cross. He was going to die and be dead three days. That was going to be tough, but it wasn't forever. He endured it, Hebrews says, as he looked to the glory that will be revealed in the future and his kingdom. We need to look to the future. That's the most important thing of Jesus coming back and being a part of His kingdom. What is eternal and what is spiritual of the kingdom of Jesus is what is most important. You know what's not important? It's who won the Super Bowl last week. 
That's what's not important. But see, that's what the world gets all caught up in. These temporary things, these superficial substitutes for the real things of life. Jesus is talking about the real thing of life. His kingdom. and Even the temple. How everything's going to end up there in Jerusalem. That's what's most important. Not games. Games aren't sinful in themselves, but when you make those things more than they ought to be, and you make them bigger than God, then that's a problem. That's an idol. And that's a false substitute for Christ and His kingdom. And many, many in the world are there. You know, they're all, they're probably, In Kansas City, they're all still on cloud nine that the Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl. And, and that's what they're thinking about today. And it means nothing in the scheme of eternity. Absolutely nothing. The, the, Satan is an expert of creating all these false diversions. Getting people distracted off on what is not important and wasting their life on that that means nothing for eternity. Don't let Satan do that in your mind and in your life. This is the important thing of Jesus to His disciples. He was saying, yeah, this temple is going to it's, it's magnificent right now, but it's going to be destroyed in a few years in a time of war. But then it's going to be rebuilt and then it's going to be desecrated. But that's really not the final, most important thing. The most important thing is I'm going to come back at the end of that and I'm going to remove all the wicked and I'm going to reign over this earth. And if you are saved, you're going to be there with me. That's the important thing about life. What's eternal is what is most important. What lasts? Things in this world will not last. Who wins, who wins a football game? It doesn't last. It doesn't, it's, it's irrelevant. Who won the Super Bowl 50 years ago? Don't know, don't care. It, it doesn't matter. Nobody knows anymore except some real radical sports fans that don't have a life. You know, they're missing it. But there's so many other things Satan tries to create, to, a false diversion. To get people off of the focus of the Son of Man coming back in the future. Things in uh, movies and TV shows where they get all wrapped up, caught up in this stuff. Activities of the earth, pleasures of, the, of life. And they, try to, they, they follow these false diversions and miss the reality. You know, and Satan's an expert at that. All the fantasy stories, the superheroes, all of these stuff about you know, Star Wars and, and all this stuff out in the universe. People get so caught up in it and it's all a false diversion from this, from what is real. Star Wars never happened, never will happen. There's not a force out there and there's not you know, a Death Star and, and, and Luke Skywalker never lived, never will live. None of that is real. Never existed. But a lot of people live like it is what life's about. But what life's about is Jesus was real and Jesus is coming back and it's his kingdom that's going to rule in the end. And that's where we need to put our energies and our focus, not on what's false, not on what doesn't exist, you know, and Satan's doing that now with so many. He's got a series of movies with when I grew up, it was in the comic books with all these superheroes and all these stories of uh, false reality now it's in the movie screen and and that uh, this person is you know this superhero has these powers and 
and is saving the world here and, and then this guy rules on this planet and he, he rules the universe and saves the universe and fights battles in the universe. None of that is real. It's all fake. It's all made up. But the kingdom of Jesus is truly what will rule the universe. He's truly fighting the battle of the universe against wickedness and he will come back and he will win the war of the universe and he will sit on the throne in great power and great glory and that is what is real. And that's what we need to set our minds on and put our hearts on and to serve him having repented and believed on him with all of our heart. And when we do that, then we're a part of that elect and we're going to be in that group with Him, and everyone else is going to be lost. And in hell, they're not going to be watching Star Wars. And they're not going to be reading comic books. It's going to be a terrible destruction forever. And that's why Satan is such a terrible being and what he's become. He is destroying people's lives for all eternity. Such a tragic way. Trying to turn people away from focusing on Jesus, distracting them on other things. But the truth is that at the end, the world will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Set your heart on that. Give your heart over to that fully and serve Him. And then at that time, He will gather you and His elect and you will serve Him in His kingdom. And that will be the greatest story that you've ever been a part of. Let's bow our heads and pray. And if you have never repented truly in your heart and believed on Him, do it now. Give your heart to Jesus. He is going to, He's the King of the world. He has life forever and He can give it to you if you'll repent and believe on Him and become one of His elect. And let's serve Him for He is the one that's going to rule in the end. And He's going to deal with all of this wickedness. Lord Jesus, we praise You. You are the true Lord. And there's no other besides You. And we worship and praise You that You alone have power and glory and salvation. And we praise You that You're going to return and, and bring all things to an end in these ways. That you're going to show Your power. You're going to show Your great glory to rule. And You're going to gather all the saved to enjoy eternal life with you forever. And we just praise you for your great plan and pray you'd help us to keep our minds on it and not get distracted away from it. And that you would strengthen us with all of the distractions and the battles and the opposition from Satan in the world and, and the unbelieving world. And help us to serve you and be your witnesses of these things as we wait for you to carry them out. And so we praise you in all your greatness and glory. In Jesus' name we pray.